The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back. It is the NFC East Mixtape presented to you in partnership by Bleeding Green Nation. Blogging the boys. You're home for the best coverage of the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, you're home for the best everything in the world, really. He is Brandon Lee Gowden of BGN, a.k.a. BLG. I am RJ Ochoa of BTB, a.k.a. R to the J. Lots of initials, lots of acronyms. BLG, how's your day going? Uh, RJ, actually, I don't necessarily think that's exactly important. I think that's HIPAA. I was... I, I don't know why I didn't anticipate this. Um, <laughs> also an acronym, by the way, uh, HIPAA is. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I don't, just, I don't have a, RJ with a just, you know, a really big surprise from the, off the top rope immediately just to begin the podcast. I know you appreciate that. Um, I don't have anything to offer on that. Dak mm-hmm. Prescott, for anyone who's unaware, uh, was asked last week if he has been vaccinated. He said that he was choosing not to divulge that information, that he believes that it was HIPAA um, or you know, that the asking of it violated HIPAA laws, um, I think was Dak's point. And the Internet proceeded to educate everybody on exactly what HIPAA is. Were you fully aware of all the HIPAA intricacies before that moment, PLG? Uh, no, I really never <laughs> have been. I think anyone who claims they are isn't telling the full truth. Because I feel like a good amount of people who cite HIPAA probably can't tell you what it stands for. I can't st- tell you what it stands for off the top of my head right now without looking it up or having looked it up. Um, so, yeah, I remember it came up. Uh, it was obviously a big topic back when uh, Adam Schefter tweeted out the picture of uh, what? JPP. Like, also another yeah. acronym. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Well, um, we are going to talk about the state of every team as training camps are beginning. The Eagles have not begun quite yet. Right, BLG? They began, so they're reporting today. I think most teams in the NFL are right. reporting Tuesday, July 27th, or at, at the, if not most, the the last of the teams are reporting reporting today, July 27th, as we're recording this, and then their first practice will be tomorrow, like the Eagles, uh, Wednesday, July 28th. Interesting. So the Cowboys have been at camp for about a week now. Everybody else catching up. Obviously, they play in the Pro Football Hall of Fame game. This episode is going out on Wednesday, July 28th. So that game, eight days from now, we are that close to football, BLG. Um, I didn't want to start with the Cowboys, but and this wasn't on our rundown. uh, And shout out to BLG. I had a very busy morning. Uh, and BLG was the GOAT as usual. Uh, Also another acronym. So big acronym day here on the NFC's mixtape. what were your thoughts on Dak Prescott choosing not to divulge whether he's vaccinated or not? 
this is a subject that, as you can imagine, uh, generated a lot of discussion amongst Cowboys fans, really all NFL fans in general. Uh, if you're asking for my honest opinion, unfiltered opinion, which I guess I typically give here on the podcast, I think it's kind of weak look. I think, you know, again, just looking at this strictly from a football perspective, which I don't think you have to, but like if we're putting it in that realm, like there is no competitive advantage. There is, in fact, a competitive disadvantage to be unvaccinated. So I don't think it's the quarterback's job to start literally poking everyone with needles and getting them vaccinated. But I think it's as a leader of the team and RJ as someone as you and a lot of Cowboys fans talk about Dak's leaderships like this isn't the best kind of leader quality kind of thing here. Like he's a leader in some ways, but he he takes a back seat. When it comes to something important like this, and it's not just about like leader in the locker room, but also like a lot of people look up to Dak Prescott, a lot of young people, a lot of impressionable people. There's a lot of fans. I think it's kind of just nice for those people to kind of set a good message and a good tone. Obviously, different people have different feelings on the vaccine and everything. Um, I, <laughs> I'm not trying to get into all of that, right. um, but I just I think it's an opportunity for him to kind of be a little bit stronger than he was. So. I think everything you're saying is fair. Like that's a fair take. That's not like an outlandish BLG is just a hater take. Um, I I think the, I don't want to say the optimistic take, but like, I do think one fair take is that Dak is simply trying to toe the line for the purposes of not alienating anybody on his team. This did come one day after Ezekiel Elliott mentioned publicly that he is vaccinated. And so right. it's, I don't know if you've seen this BLG uh, Dak Prescott's brother is fairly active on Twitter. A few months ago, somebody, in a kind of a quip sort of tweet said, I'll get vaccinated or, or somebody told uh, Dak's brother that their friend or brother or somebody would get vaccinated when Dak Prescott got vaccinated. And Dak's brother said, well, it's time for him to get vaccinated. So the intimation was that Dak Prescott had been vaccinated. And so if we are to assume that's true, granted an assumption, um, this is obviously a polarizing subject in, I was going to say the NFL, but in the world. Um, and so I can see the logic behind saying, you know, I don't want to alienate any, anybody. I don't want to make anybody feel isolated, whatever. But you're right. Like, if you just keep this to football, um, it, it, there, there is an argument to, you know, saying that you're vaccinated or whatever. But obviously, it's a touchy subject. So um, I will say that Dak has sort of implicitly earned my trust. Like, I, I trust that he will handle, you know, rough and touchy situations in the right way. And so... I don't know, obviously, what led to his line of thinking here, but I, I do trust that he is the right person to handle things when it comes to delegating whatever responsibilities for the Cowboys. Obviously, whatever conversations they have in the locker room uh, could be different. Uh, but do you want to keep going on the Cowboys? Like, I feel like we talk about the Cowboys too much. Like we, Maybe we go somewhere else after this stack talk. Well, you know me. I do like an order. So if you're going to go out of order, I don't, okay. I don't love that. What all else right. is going on in Cowboys world? Come on. Uh, the people here are listening. They're on you know, blogging the boys, some of them. Sure. And obviously the Eagles fans want to listen too. I mean, maybe. But uh, what's going on with the Cowboys, RJ? So we are recording Tuesday just after lunch. I had some leftover barbecue in case you were wondering. BLG, it was fantastic. Wow. Uh, really good stuff. Rice and beans to accompany it. Just the whole dish sung. But um, just before the Cowboys are practicing on Tuesday, it was reported by Todd Archer of ESPN that Zach Martin is dealing with a minor ankle injury. Now, Zach Martin did not practice on Sunday, which was the team's third practice. He was given what was deemed to be a veteran day off, not an uncommon thing. Um, and about 10 minutes after that report, Mike McCarthy took to the podium 
for his daily press conference, and he said that Zach Martin is going to practice today. So this episode drops on Wednesday, uh, so Zach Martin is going to practice on Tuesday. So it doesn't seem to be that big of an issue. That might be the most volatile story to, to come out of Cowboys camp so far. Um, nothing else is really shocking. They had five players on the pup list. Amari Cooper's there. Demarcus Lawrence is there. Greg Zerline's there. That one did kind of shock some people. Uh, but n- nothing to really, you know, I think cause anybody to lose their breath. Um, this was expected from Amari. We did find out that Demarcus Lawrence had his third back surgery this offseason. That's not ideal. Um, ultimately, it's way too early to draw any legitimate conclusions here. But I do think that everything's gone about as well as you could have hoped, at least through a couple of practices in camp. I think it's funny the way we talk about or think about training camp injuries because sometimes like you look at it and it's like, oh no, this player's hurt. But at the same time, it's like, well, there's probably like a month or so until an actual game is played. So it doesn't matter a ton. In some ways, it might actually be a good thing if it's like a really minor injury because then you're preventing that player from practicing and then suffering something like a torn ACL or something. So uh, lucky for you, Cowboys seemingly healthy enough. Like you said, all those injuries, the big names don't seem to be seriously hurt. Um, let me ask you though, who's like standing out in Cowboys camp so far? Are there any like exciting players that have kind of rose to the occasion so far? So Micah Parsons is obviously standing out. Uh, he's, I think, you know, already one of the best players, uh, on this defense. And, and that was kind of obvious even coming into it, but, um, Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory is somebody that I think a lot of people who aren't Cowboys fans might have forgotten about. The team's second-round draft pick in 2015 um, has played sparingly. He's been suspended off and on. Uh, most of those suspensions, uh, well, all those suspensions had to do with testing positive for marijuana. The NFL has since altered their stance on that this offseason. This is Randy's first full year offseason-wise with the Dallas Cowboys since his rookie year in 2015. Um, he does look to be in shape and there, you know, Jerry Jones will tell you there's not a lot of tread on those tires and that's true. Uh, although the fact that he's never, or he hasn't played a, a full regular season in forever is certainly cause for just, you know, slowly wading into these waters. Uh, but he does look great and that's really encouraging. I would say maybe the star early on um, and mm. this will maybe cause some rolling of the eyes is defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. Um, I mean, he, he has he has really kind of won people over. Th- this is I realize this is low hanging fruit, but he's doing things like and this. I mean, when you when you come from a situation where you had Mike Nolan last year, everything's a breath of fresh air. To be clear here, um, mm-hmm. but you know, before and after practice, working one on one with players, his press conferences, he just sounds so you know. Mike Nolan's press conferences last year involved him telling us he got Tabasco in his eye, to be clear how low the mm-hmm. bar is. Um, but Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn is clearly a teacher. And I, and I think that we saw that in Atlanta even, and certainly saw that in Seattle. And that was really needed, sorely needed for this team. He, uh, he wears Jordans, which has got a lot of people all, you know, oh my gosh, the DCs wearing some Jays. Uh, and I don't know if you saw this story, BLG. Uh, he mentioned that over the offseason, he played run DMC for the defensive players. Did you see this story? No. So he mentioned that he is a fast talker, fast speaker. I don't know. Uh, I think you and I are both relatively fast at talking, so we can certainly empathize. Um, And so in an exercise to kind of prove to them that they would not be able to take notes off of everything he said, he played a run DMC song for them and challenged them 
to write mm-hmm. all of the words in the or as many of the words in the song as they possibly could. And I think the winner got like two lines of the song. Uh, every player said like, yeah, it was crazy. It was super hard, blah, blah. Um, and his whole point was, look, you're not going to be able to take notes on everything. This is about absorbing the information, et cetera, et cetera. I know the system that I'm teaching you, et cetera. So my point in setting this up is because this is the last episode of the mixtape that people are going to hear before the first episode of Hard Knocks next week. Mm. Prepare to see a lot of Dan Quinn and a lot of stuff like this. Definitely. I was just going to ask you that. So good uh, point by you. I was wondering like when it, exactly it began. So that'll be interesting to see. Obviously, I'm sure that'll provide some nice content for this podcast. Actually, no. Which is sorry. Fun. Two weeks. I was wrong. So okay. I just ruined two that weeks. whole segment. But yeah. Wow. You lied uh, to the listeners. <laughs> that's our – I mean, we never lie to the listeners. I mean, that's the goal of the podcast. I don't know why you would do that. Um as far as the the hype thing or the Cowboys defense goes, uh, this kind of just reminds me as you're saying this, like Dan Quinn just being the new version of Mike McCarthy, like where you know um, your your previous defensive coordinator Mike Nolan was like Jason Garrett. It's just like the new guy is better automatically. You bring him in, he's an upgrade over the other, and he might be. I'm not gonna rule that out. I, I think actually, in fact, he is just because by virtue of Mike Nolan not being like a real defensive coordinator option in the year 2020, like it's not. That was never like a real hiring to me. Like this isn't this isn't going to work out. Um, right. So as I do, you know, uh, I patrol all of the other NFC East uh, SB Nation blogs, and I was looking at blogging the boys uh, recently because I, you know, I put these articles in the link each day at the bottom, kind of give people uh, going to bleeding your nation a taste of what's going on around the division. I did see one of my favorite writers, Tom Ryle, who I feel like is unabashedly uh, bullish on the Cowboys always. And by the way, it is bullish. I heard you say this recently on a different podcast. Oh, you I was going to ask you about this. Yeah. Yeah. Bullish means you like something. I'm very confident in this. Like, I'm I'm high on this thing. I am bullish. Bearish means, like, you don't feel good about it. I think, um, did we anyway, have this discussion once before? We did one time. Yeah. And I was very unsure at the time, but I'm very confident now. Bullish means, like, so, you're yeah. good on something. And I remember you bringing this up. A bullish investor, also known as a bull, mm. believes that the price of one or more securities will rise. I like. I always thought, and I guess I fell back into this even after you corrected me, that bullish meant like hesitant or you're scared of no. or apprehensive towards. But That's okay. bearish. Yeah. Okay. So good for you to know. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at the line from this article here. Going into the offseason, fixing the defense was stated as a top priority. Based on what we have seen so far, those were not empty words. I love, I love it. I love a week of... Cowboys training camp practice already seen the defense look good. And you're like, all right, it's going to be fine. Maybe, maybe it's not going to be elite, but it's going to be fine. It's going to be good. It's going to be better. Um, it's that time of year though. It's like I, I, I laugh about it. I, I kind of tease you about it, but seriously, I mean, obviously uh, that's kind of going on in Eagles world too, where everyone I feel like has convinced themselves or has everyone in Eagles world has come up with the take generally that like, Oh, the Eagles are going to be better than you think this year. And I feel like everyone is saying that, and it's not actually like better than you think because everyone is saying that now. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, unpopular opinion. The Eagles are going to be good. No, like every, it's come to the point where now everyone is saying that and like no one is sleeping on them. Um, well, that's a good transition to um, to the Eagles. I, I do think they'll be – I let me, let me be clear about this. I think that they will be better than you specifically think that they are going to be because you have been not like hater low on them, but you have been wisely low, astutely low on them. And I just – I, I I think the division sucks. And like some of that is like I don't think I I think that they split the series with Washington. I think they probably sweep the Giants. Like so like right there, we're talking about three wins. And so like I think this team's getting to like between six and eight wins. If you told me the over under was six and a half, I'd take the over. If you told me it was seven and a half, I'd stress a little bit about it. But I mean, I, I think they're right there. Like I, I think 
I think their higher pick. So they have, correct me, Miami's pick in 2022, correct? The Miami's first round pick for sure. They have the Colts second round pick that could and, be elevated. So I'll, I'll go on the record with this take right now. I think their highest first round pick in 2021 is Miami's. Wow. Not even their own. Nope. Highest being it's, near the top of the order to be very clear. Right. Yeah. Right. Closest to number one. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't think that's insane just because I'm not a Tua guy. And I think the Dolphins could take a step back. I think the rest of the roster, they still have pieces to prevent like being really, really terrible. And I like Flores a lot. I don't think he, like, I can't see the Dolphins being like, a bottom five team with Brian Flores. Like even when their roster was terrible a couple of years ago, like he had them playing above their talent level. So I don't think they're going to be a total disgrace. But uh, Wait, so I don't think you, it's like. Question insane. Will you will you root for the Giants when they play the Dolphins this year? Uh, I mean. So I never root for the Giants. I would be rooting <laughs> against the Dolphins is the phrasing that I so choose what, to pick. What would you rather see more than the, the Eagles first round draft pick improve in stock or the Giants lose? Well, it really depends where we are at in the, uh, like the year. I don't know. It, it does, though. It's, well, no, I mean, it's not a fence riding. It's like, is this late in the year? Are the Eagles obviously out of it? Then clearly I'm rooting for the pick to be better. Are the Eagles making a playoff push? Are they like pushing for first in division? Then obviously I want them to win or the Giants, you know, to uh, lose at that point. I mean, the Giants might be so irrelevant anyway. It doesn't really matter. But uh, according to you, especially. Um, but yeah, kind of situational there. We'll get to the Giants. But so depending how high this Miami pick is could influence, obviously, what the Eagles are going to do in the 2022 offseason. Some people, BLG, believe the chatter this week is uh, that they could be involved in trading for what is currently Houston Texans quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Uh, before we get into this, I think B- I speak for BLG. I know I said that a lot, uh, but it's because I always think I speak for you, BLG. Speaking for uh, me. I think I speak for you in saying we both are certainly aware that this is a very complicated situation. We're talking about the football of it all, which is a very difficult thing to do. Uh, but given that he is being linked so heavily to the Eagles, it does merit discussion this week. I mean, it's impossible to ignore. I mean, like, I get it. Like, I get anyone who feels, like, gross talking about it. I feel weird talking about it. Um, But, like, I cover the Philadelphia Eagles, and they're being connected to a star player. That's not something, like, you just, like, don't talk about. Like, that is absolutely relevant. Like, that is, like, it's it's crazy relevant. Um, There there could maybe not be a more relevant topic when it comes to, like, a team and a quarterback. Like, you know, those are the big points. So, um, it's really weird that... We've seen so much smoke about this. And this is all the way dating back to like March, RJ. I think I said um, to you on the Monday Football Monday podcast on the SB Nation NFL show that like that uh, I, totally, I totally lost my point. Where was I thinking? About Monday, totally talking about it. talking about Deshaun because the news came out that he was supported at Texans camp. Um, obviously, there's lots of rumors and uh, mm-hmm. discussions about the price that it could cost to acquire him. Three first-round picks thrown up by NFL Network. Uh, five high picks was thrown up by ESPN, also including some players. And a lot of people naturally have connected the dots here because the Eagles are a team that look like they could have three first-round picks in 2022 with Miami and Indianapolis. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It feels gross talking about it. And it's it's so, like, from my perspective, while you still ponder, it's gross to even start thinking about, like, well, what does Deshaun Watson look like in the NFC East and the Cowboys having to play him twice? Right. So you're like, that, that feels gross right now. Um, sure. obviously, obviously, when you talk about just who the football player is, it, you don't want to see the Eagles get better. You don't want to see any team in the division get better. Um, I do think, generally speaking, uh, like without knowing what happens with Deshaun Watson, but just 
operating off where we are now. If I was and like rumors are rumors, like I, but these rumors are coming from somewhere. If I was the Eagles, if I was Howie Roseman, like I know Howie Roseman is seemingly, you know, somebody who has a never ending amount of lives in the Philadelphia Eagles organization. But at some point, the thin ice becomes thinner and thinner and thinner. I would not want to stake what might be like the last of my opportunities on Deshaun Watson. And I specifically would not want to surrender three first round picks in order to do so. I mean, like I, I, this, this is a team and an organization that is in such turmoil in a lot of areas. Like you just, you just Andy Dufresne, the Carson Wentz era, right? Like you just got out of like this funk and, and very different things like Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson, but Carson Wentz for his own reasons, like ruined the era that he had within the Eagles organization. Why would you want to like the next move you make at quarterback has to be like complete and total blue chip, no doubts about it prospect. Like you can't roll the dice in any capacity here. That's why I wouldn't, I can't understand why the Eagles would be considering this. I think he, again, from a football perspective, I think he makes an incredible amount of sense just from he's 25 years old. He's on a contract that's actually like friendly. Like, like a lot of people are like, oh, the cap hits are too high. When you look at like the caliber of quarterback he is, he's going to be making like 30 something million the next few years, you know, because the Texans will have to take on the bonus money. Whereas, you know, the Eagles are just getting the base salaries. You know, Dak Prescott's getting what, like 40 something mm-hmm. a year? He's making 10 million or less than Dak. Like, that's a pretty good. That's a bargain, relatively. Um, so I think it makes sense, you know, from those angles. And then, obviously, just, again, talent. Like, he's really freaking good. It's, like, it's hard to kind of reconcile that sometimes because the Texans were so bad last year. But, I mean, it wasn't his fault. Like, they, he was really, really freaking good. He's, like, a top-five quarterback in the NFL, arguably, at, at least top ten. I think it comes down to uh, – I don't think the Eagles necessarily want to be patient, RJ. I, I don't – and also – It's unwise like, in my mind. And that's fair to say, but I think I'm just like looking at I I'm I just try to put myself in in a space where I'm thinking about how they're thinking about it. You know, I'm not opining myself right now. I'm saying like I think they're at a spot where like Deshaun Watson is such a rare kind of talent to be able to acquire, right? Like there's not you can never just acquire quarterbacks like that. Like ever. Like that's not it's a very rare circumstance. And obviously, like there's there's circumstances why he's available that make him available that are pretty troubling but i think they look at it as such a rare opportunity and they're going to have this ammo and honestly maybe like you know they this is why they got all those picks it wasn't like they just got all those picks to have you know and then like make a trade when they see something available like maybe this is intentional i don't know this story goes back to again like march there's been so many different rumors it's not even coming from like one place like i've seen national reporters say this i've seen texas-based reporters say this i've seen philly-based reporters say this and like you, Peter King writing about it, like Adam Schefter, like there's so many different people putting this out there. And the original report actually went back to like Jeffrey Lurie and specifically like he's the one who's really interested in this. And that made me think back to Jeffrey Lurie's press conference after the 2020 season, RJ, where he said like, I am obsessed, you know, with building like an elite passing offense. And I think, how do you do that? Well, you get an elite quarterback. I don't think, you know, Jeffrey Lurie is going to settle. I don't think he really wants to give Jalen Hurts a chance if he feels like he can get an upgrade. Um, now, I think the Eagles are in a spot where they're going to have to give Jalen Hurts a chance because even if they trade for Deshaun Watson, obviously, like now, like I think he's going to be suspended or there's you know a lot of fallout still, still yet to come. It's not like he's playing week one necessarily. Um, so it's really interesting to think about just because of you know all the different angles and and uh, how much of a reaction it would be. And there would honestly, there would be a lot of Eagles fans who wouldn't want to root for the team anymore. And I can't blame a single one of them. Uh, it is a really, you know, like not great development to see. 
um, when you're like involved in this and it's not just clean and cut and dry. And it's not like, oh, there's a star player who's really good. And there's no you know concerns and you just want him. Um, so it's kind of messy. Uh, my question for you, though, like I kind of want to know, like if Deshaun Watson gets traded in the NFC East, like how are you feeling about that? I, I guess as a whole, like wherever you want to pick up on that. I mean, like, I've, again, obviously it would not be, you know, great to see any team get better anywhere, right? Like, that's why, like, you know, we love the draft, but we hate the draft. Like, it's like, awesome. The Cowboys drafted Micah Parsons, but the Eagles drafted Devontae Smith. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you know, that's mm-hmm. just like the game of, of football. Um, I I just, and I, it even, it feels too gross to say like, oh, if they if they went all in on Deshaun Watson, like they're risking everything. Like, it feels gross to to talk about like, you know, who he is and assessing like his off the field concerns within the Eagles organization, which is why like it's it's really it's hard to answer that question, honestly. Um, that That's why like my my general like stance on it is like I I would not want my team to be anywhere near this. Like mm-hmm. that's that's how I feel. And so if I was an Eagles fan, I would be rightly concerned. Some of the Eagles fans that uh, let's I'm their favorite Cowboys fan, which is an honor that I uh, hold near and dear to my heart, uh, have told me on Twitter that they want nothing to do with this. And I can see that. And like, I, my only other question for you on this, because there's no denying that Deshaun Watson's an excellent player. And, and I think that like, I still, I think we don't even truly realize that he's an incredibly smart quarterback uh, in terms of PFF's turnover worthy play rate last year. Only Tom Brady had a lower turnover worthy play rate than him last season. Mm-hmm. He had a, a higher tur- or a lower. Uh, it was the same as Aaron Rodgers. I mean, like he's I mean, there's in- he's incredible. Like I get that. And I get that, like people have lengths that they're willing to go to to justify whatever in life. Um, but my question is, like, how does this feel coming off? I mean, it's not like it was a year ago, but I mean, it was what, 12 years ago that the Eagles signed Michael Vick. You know, I mean, like that, I just, I would not want that to be my franchise, like, and to be associated with all these things. I mean, you know, 12 years apart, even, I mean, that's a long time, but that just, I, I, I really think that some Eagles fans would be like, you know, like you hear all the time, like with different social issues, like, oh, I'm never watching the NFL again. I could totally see a lot of Eagles fans checking out if they pursued it. Sh- Cause it's, it's one thing to sign Michael Vick, like the way the Eagles did just yeah. as a, as a free agent. It's another thing to surrender an enormous amount of capital to acquire him, which is what the Eagles would clearly have to do here. It's also just such a different situation, which I don't even like the, the Vic thing, you know, like I don't love it as a comparison. I get why you bring it up. I get why anyone brings it up. I just, I don't love it, you know, as a one for one at all, because it's just like Michael Vic went to jail. <laughs> you know, he right. served his punishment. Like, sure. Yeah. There's, there's his... context to everything. You're right. Yeah. Um, he served his time. And I think, you know, we really came to see this. It wasn't obviously apparent at the time of the Eagles signing him. And a lot of people were obviously up in arms about that. I remember being excited about it, though. You know, I, I, and I love animals. I love dogs. It wasn't like, it, it was a really weird thing, though. It's it's like weird that I even have to say that right now. Like, obviously, like I love animals, but um, uh, I think Michael Vick, like seeing him over time, though, he really did change. And I don't know. I'm not saying that like because maybe Deshaun Watson can too. I'm not going to say that. I'm just saying with the Michael Vick case specifically, I saw like growth there, and I think the Eagles may have saw that too somehow like beforehand, and that's why they're comfortable signing with him, uh, and everything, and, and that worked out for them, uh, in some ways. Um. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's a weird topic. I, you know, it's, it's something like we can't just ignore again because it's here and the rumors keep happening. Like there was a new rumor just today, right? Like I posted the link today and I linked to an article that Jason Lockenfora, again, who broke the story originally back in March, put out and said like, 
like a bunch of many NFL executives believe the Eagles are the front runners for Watson, which isn't really breaking new ground a ton because that's been said a lot, but like it's crazy. It just keeps being said out there. I have no idea what a timeline, I don't think anyone knows what a timeline looks for this because there are a lot of like things up in the air when it comes to allegations. And it sounds like there's a couple new ones that Rusty Harden just talked about. Uh, Deshaun Watson's um, uh, uh, representative, his, uh, his lawyer. Um, so as an attorney, so like, I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's also weird though, RJ, because like Quincy Avery, his trainer was just on like Adam Schefter's podcast this past Friday and thought he was going to be traded like as Over of Sunday. Right. Yeah. Which is insane. Like, I mean, I guess he was just like, you know, I don't necessarily know that Quincy Avery like knows what's going on, you know, like in terms of realistic NFL movement and everything. Maybe he was just like, you know, just saying something like just off the cuff. It wasn't really like thinking right. about it, but like that's wild. And that the Texans are taking offers right now, like seems to make me believe like it's possible that this thing could happen like way sooner than anyone expects, which would be crazy, but it doesn't seem impossible to me. It's a really awkward situation. Uh, unfortunate, gross. I mean, there's a lot of words that are applicable here. I will say this. If, if the Eagles did anything, if they moved uh, any combination of first round picks before knowing what they have with the Indianapolis pick, I think that would be unwise. Like for, for whoever, whatever they're trading for, like I think you have to know your resources. And like I think if you're going to make a move now, especially before you know what that pick is, like it, you you need to be a team in like some sort of win now mode. And that's clearly not the Eagles, which again, it would it would be kind of silly, but um, I don't know, man. Um, it's tough. So this story seems like it's going to hang over the Eagles' heads. So it would be very interesting to see how they act behind a microphone, how Nick Sirianni uh, reacts to this mm -hmm. news, because he's obviously going to be asked about it in the coming days. Oh, BLG yeah. will have everybody covered at BGN. You'll also play Pound It or um, whatever it was with him. I forgot already. Rock, paper, scissors. Yeah, um, that was a good time. Um, okay. What is Pound It? Is that a game? Pound it like when you pound somebody's fist, like when you see him. You don't do that? It's not a game. I mean, it's a game. It's like you can't be. Did you ever do like. This I actually, I actually hated this game in like middle school. Did you ever do the like cracking knuckle game? You know what I'm talking about? I kind of have an idea of what you're talking about. Like I don't you think would, I played that. You would, you would put like your knuckles up against somebody and you would like punch them and whoever bled mm. for like when you were like 11 years old. Like this was the only Bloody thing knuckles. That made sense. Yeah, there about. you go. Bloody knuckles. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who would have thought that bloody knuckles would come up today? Um, mm. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about the New York Giants and the football team of Washington in just a moment. Before we do, we're going to take a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. BLG's Knuckles, not bloody. Mine, not bloody. We managed to survive. What's your favorite game to play, or what was your favorite game to play at recess, BLG? At recess? Um, yeah. If it wasn't played, bloody like, knuckles. Soccer, soccer was, yeah. like, a big thing. Depends on the grade you're talking about, but I remember, like, soccer being a big thing from, like, fourth to sixth grade, where, like, I feel like maybe 50, 60, 70% of, like, the kids would play. It was, like, this massive game. It'd be, like, this – because it was a big, giant soccer field, and they're all, like, you know, again, like, 10 years, 11 years old. And I feel like a lot of kids would, like, play on mostly one team. 
Uh, and I don't really know how much goal scoring there would be because it's just like, again, it's not like, you know, soccer where it's on what, like a 10 on 10 or 11 on 11 or whatever. It was like, you know, like 50 people on a field. So uh, that was always fun. I think it was just fun to run around and uh, have some fun. Mm. So not a swing guy. That was my answer, like being on the swing, seeing how far you could jump. That was my thing. I like a swing. I like a swing a lot. Mm. Um, yeah. Sure. Anyway, uh, Washington, New York. Where do you want to go first? Let's go to Washington, where RJ, I said this to you before the oh. show. I saw this on Twitter that Washington football team, as of what? Um, when? As of July 26th, so Monday, uh, they had the lowest player vaccination rate in the NFL with just 60% having received one dose, at least one dose. This is from Nikki uh, Jahabvala. Um, if I butchered that last name, I'm really sorry. Uh, and then the Colts, who we talked about before, are actually second lowest at 63%. And then she also said that nearly 84% of NFL players are at least partially vaccinated. So again, just from a strategic standpoint here, RJ, you know, as the reigning division champs, you know, you're looking at the Washington football team not having a high vaccination rate. Like that's a concern. Yeah, and so I believe this is the first mixtape we've recorded since the NFL's announcement last week. Um, I mean, they had like it was like an 18-page memo, but the general gist of it is if a team uh, has a an outbreak that forces a game to be canceled, the team who's responsible in terms of having the outbreak will be forced to forfeit the game um, and will be. Uh, responsible for covering the financial loss of the game. The other team that they were scheduled to play will be given a win. And there's also something with the draft order, like they will not be given a a loss to to help influence their draft order in a positive direction, positive the way fans view it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's obviously a costly thing if that's going to happen. And that's, that's why like, Look, BLG and I, again, I'm going to speak for BLG, uh, realize this is a, a polarizing issue, but it has become an issue of competitiveness in the NFL, uh, according to Michael Irvin, at least. And so in that sense, in that specific sense, BLG, Washington right now is the least competitive team in the National Football League uh, if they're mm-hmm. just above 60%. And so when you sent me this, I was not excited, but I was interested to ask you, how, like, how would you feel if that happened? Like, if if because they're they're in our division, so like, what if they were playing the Eagles and they had to forfeit that game? Like, I mean, I'm not saying you're bummed that like you get a free win or anything like that, but like that would be a that would be a really weird thing to happen. And it's possible this happens to any team, not just the team that's lowest in vaccination rate, but they are theoretically at most risk of that happening, uh, just from a mathematical standpoint. So like, how would that feel? Because like, that does that's a, a variable at play this season. Why do we do a podcast together if you're going to just tell me that you speak for me all the time? I mean, you might as well just, I mean, you know, play my part too. Yeah, I could um, do that back and forth. Yeah, I'm sure you could. Um, uh, what are you taking a sip of there, by the way? What do you got there? Uh, this is, I have a terrible habit. I drink like four Diet Cokes a day. It's not great. Mm, I'm not proud of it. I, okay. uh, yeah. I exposed yeah. you here on the podcast for listeners to hear. Yeah, I stopped yeah. drinking soda like a while ago. It was a good move. Yeah, BLG's Consider- big water guy. Wait, water and what else? Are you like lemonade, tea? Like... Uh, I try not to do the sugar really as much. Um, I have a Gatorade from time to time, you know, especially like, you know, it's hot. I'm doing like, you know, a walk or run or something I'm really sweaty. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, getting back to your question, um, <laughs> it, it's a weird dynamic because like, obviously you see that. And as a rival fan, you're like, there. It's it sounds weird, but like there can't not be a part of you that's like, wow, the, my rival team is at a disadvantage. I like that. But then obviously what should override that is the human level being like, 
this isn't good. Like, you know, I don't want to see people unvaccinated and more prone to potentially like getting a disease or, you know, missing right. games because of that. Um, but again, you know, like if they're going to, yeah, I will take, if the Washington football team is going to forfeit a game to the Eagles, I will pretty much take that unless it's in week 17 last year, then I would not have taken that one. Uh, I would want the Eagles to have forfeited before they uh, could have done that. And honestly, Eagles probably would have just been better off forfeiting in week 17 last year um, based on everything that happened. But uh, yeah, so it's a weird dynamic. Um, it's concerning. It, it can't like, especially the thing that I think about RJ is like, the way it could cluster in terms of like, if you have a position group, let's just say cornerback, like where, you know, they're not vaccinated players. And all of a sudden, you know, like before the game or whatever, like you're just missing your cornerbacks and you have to play. Like that's a pretty big issue. Um, So uh, it's pretty concerning that to see that, I think for Washington fans, we'll see if those numbers climb. And I talked to you about on the, I believe the, it was yesterday in the SB Nation NFL show. I'm also interested to see how these rates are impacted by roster cuts. And if it's like all these back of the roster players getting the vaccine. Explain the, players. explain the math behind that again. Just here so everyone yeah. can hear that. So like, I think like, you know, it's easy. And Mike Florio is the one, the first one who like brought this up and made me really think about it. But, you know, if you have all these bottom of the roster players getting the vaccine, which makes sense because they want to do everything they can to potentially make the roster. So they're not going to not get the vaccine. Or at least you would think a lot of them would not not get the vaccine. Um, Double negative there. And I just wonder how that's how the team percentage is going to fluctuate based on that, because a lot of those players are presumably going to get cut. And then if your star players don't have it, or a lot of the starters, not even just stars, but a lot of the starting players and key backups don't have it, well, then that's going to impact that too. So that's going to be interesting to monitor. I don't know that we're really going to get like updated rates. I don't know, you know, because like they're kind of being reported out now, like these numbers. I don't know exactly even how you're getting this. I guess it's documented, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Also interested to see. I don't know how this has worked in Cowboys camp so far, Um, and and I'm, I'm, we'll see how it goes in Eagles camp, but also like this thing about players being marked. Right. Like seeing like who is unvaccinated and not. So on that note, uh, Charles Robinson went in detail on that on um, the relaunched Yahoo NFL podcast. You pod to win the game. And by the way, uh, I know you listen to that podcast, BLG. Charles has done a great job, uh, obviously, to get that pod going again. And he does such a great job honoring Therese Paler every episode. It's it's one of the better NFL nationally covered podcasts there is. Um, so shout out to Charles, who does a great job covering the Cowboys along with the entire NFL. And he talked about, for anyone who's unaware, to your point, BLG, how players are potentially going to wear wristbands. I don't know if they're like the silicone wristbands or something uh, with colors that know whether they're vaccinated or unvaccinated. And he mentioned like, you know, you'll be able to like during a game, you know, count if you really want to. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you can you can, you know, look through your binoculars or whatever and, and count them all and you can deduce the percentage yourself. And like and then we get to like a, a place of like, what if Team X is saying like we're, you know, like you know, like Nick Saban said this week that Alabama is really close to being 100% vaccinated or whatever. So, like, what if a team said that and then you count, like, 20, you know, unvaccinated wristbands or whatever? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and so now you've got, like, misreporting going on. Like, that that opens a really big can of worms. Um, and, and Washington's at the center of it all, unfortunately, with this situation going on. Um, I did want to bring up, just because it's relevant here, in case anybody forgot, uh, what Montez Sweat said about this uh, almost mm. two months ago. Uh, he was asked about the vaccine. Uh, at this time, I'm reading an article from John Keim at ESPN. Um, at the time, Ron Rivera said that his players were approaching a 50% vaccination rate. So this was a, a June 9th. Um, so that number has climbed technically since then. Uh, but Montez Sweat said on the vaccine, I'm not a fan of it. 
I probably won't get vaccinated until I get more facts and that stuff. I'm not a fan of it at all. Then he went on and said, I haven't caught COVID yet, so I don't see me treating COVID until I actually get COVID. Um, mm -hmm. It was one of those tweets and quotes that uh, people had a lot of fun with on Twitter, um, as you recall. And so people feel different ways about this. And I mean, I think I, I like it's, it's possible that anything changes. But like, I think if if Washington's this low now, it with all this time that's gone on since the vaccinations have been out, it stands to reason that like people have made up their minds on what they're going to do. And they've already decided they are or are not going to get the vaccine. If that means. Like, I, I don't see a big change happening between now and the start of the season. I don't know if you do. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean, maybe unless there's like a bad something in training camp and or, or players are actually unvaccinated players are going through these extra protocols and they're kind of just like tired of it because they have to go through obviously extra hoops that the unvaccinated players um, or sorry, the vaccinated players don't have to go through. So we'll see there. Um, but the other two things I want to talk about with Washington were actually the extensions that they gave out mm -hmm. recently, including one to Jonathan Allen, which kind of made me look back to the 2017 uh, NFL draft there and the players that were taken, uh, the, just the, the the defensive players, even alone, that were taken ahead of Jonathan Allen. Um, you want to read those there for me, RJ? I would switch the window myself, but I'm afraid the audio is on the cutout because that my computer does that for some um, reason. You're talking about recording. The you're talking about the 2017 NFL draft, correct? Yeah. Yes. The other names there. Um, I know why it. you're doing this, but the, all of the defensive players taken before Jonathan Allen uh, at one overall, Cleveland took Miles Garrett at three overall. San Francisco took Solomon Thomas uh, at six overall. The Jets took Jamal Adams currently in his own contract dispute uh, at 11 overall. The New Orleans Saints took who BLG. That's quiz time. Uh, uh, Lattimore. Yeah. Mar uh, Marshawn Lattimore at 13 overall, the Arizona Cardinals. Let's see if you can do this again. Reddick. Hassan Reddick. Uh, I think you're cheating. Uh, at 14 no, overall, no. obviously the Eagles took Derek Barnett. Uh, at yep. 15 overall, this is applicable to the Cowboys in our current moment, by the way. The Colts took Malik Hooker, who is not yeah. officially a member of the Cowboys, but it does seem like that is going to happen much sooner rather than later. It's a matter of COVID protocols that he's getting through himself with the team being in California. Obviously, things are different there. Um, so, you know, be on the lookout for that. Um, one pick after that, Baltimore took Marlon Humphrey, and then Jonathan Allen went 17 overall to the Washington football team. The joke that BLG wanted to make was that at 28, 11 picks later, the Dallas Cowboys took Taco Charlton. I wasn't going to make that joke, but thank you for doing it for me. <laughs> um, I, I just think it's kind of weird. Like We think of Washington as a joke, and they are in many ways. They are a joke of a franchise, or have been at least, but uh, they made some good picks too. Like When it comes to the draft, they're not like a total joke. I mean, obviously, Dane, Dwayne Haskins is really bad, but like Jonathan Allen was a really good pick for them. Like he, a lot of people wanted the Eagles to take him when he was still on the board. I remember he was kind of like falling that year due to like shoulder like concerns, something about like a degenerative shoulder or something. But uh, he's played really, really well. He's part of that strong Washington defensive line, and he got rewarded with a what four year, seventy two million dollar contract. So I just thought kind of interesting. Um, just maybe uh, did, I don't. Did we have Jonathan Allen on our all NFC's team? Was he the other defensive tackle next to Fletcher Cox? Um. Uh... No, he was he not. Was. We went with Leonard Williams was our yeah. second choice. So, but it could have been him. Yeah. Uh, well, he, you know, he got – if he didn't get the all-star nod, he got the new contract. So I think ultimately, you know, Jonathan Allen came out ahead. Yeah. Uh, anything else on Washington before we move on? Uh, the, oh, the one other extension. I'm sorry. How could I forget yeah, the, the former quarterback? The, just real quick. Yeah, the Logan Thomas one. Um, 
just nice find for them, really. I remember when Logan Thomas was a quarterback <laughs> and on the Arizona Cardinals, and everyone thought, like, oh, man, Bruce Arians, who's your favorite coach, RJ, uh, might be able to turn Logan Thomas into something. And alas, he was not, nor was anybody. And uh, he took some time. He converted to tight end, and uh, it worked out for him. So I guess good for him. Good for Washington. Um, Again, I think you could argue. I don't think he is. I would go with Dallas Goddard. But I think you could argue, I mean, just based on last year, last year he had a better year than Dallas Goddard. And he's arguably the top division or tight end in the division, and they, you know, got him for free. So good for them. So two things here uh, before we move on to the New York Giants. Number one, people love to regard Bruce Arians as some sort of quarterback whisperer. I actually wanted to give a big shout out to Jenny Varentis, one of the best NFL reporters in the biz. I saw she had a take uh, on the MMQB podcast where she talked about that term is thrown out like so ridiculously. How like pe- yeah. we call people quarterback whisperers when they just like work with good quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Like that's and like people love to be like Bruce Arians fixes quarterbacks. Bruce Arians worked with Ben Roethlisberger, first round pick. Peyton Manning before that, number one overall draft pick. Uh, Andrew Luck, number one overall draft pick. Carson Palmer. Heisman Trophy winner, number one overall draft pick. Jameis Winston, Heisman Trophy winner, number one overall draft pick. Tom Brady, obviously the GOAT. But, like, Bruce Arians drafted Logan Thomas, who was so bad at quarterback that he didn't even end up playing the position professionally in the NFL. Um, But speaking of players who were quarterbacks to start their careers in the NFL, I don't know if you remember Jamila Showers, former safety for the Dallas Cowboys, BLG. Uh, But he But he wore number 20. Uh, yeah, he wore number 28 when he uh, flipped from quarterback to safety. And the reason that's applicable is in the exact moment that we are talking, recording, Malik Hooker has walked out onto the practice field for the Dallas Cowboys wow. and Oxnard wearing number 28. So uh, while it's not, it's still like, again, at this exact moment, not official. Um, what are you talking about? He's wearing the jersey. I mean, he's out there. Uh, I'm just looking at this tweet from John Michaud of The Athletic. He's wearing number 28. So uh, just like he's making Jamil Showers proud. And I actually used mm. to hate that Jamil Showers hogged 28. Like, that's such a great safety number. And he was never he just hogged it on the practice squad forever. Uh, so thankfully, Malik Hooker can make it great again. But um, anyway, the New York Giants. Uh, before we get into the New York Giants discussion, everybody head to BigBlueView.com. Ed Valentine, the main man over there, had a exclusive sit-down interview with New York Giants head coach Joe Judge. It is, it's also like fantastically put together. Um, I will also speak for BLG here. Like, you know, on the back end when we have to put articles together, like Ed made this pretty. I mean, like it looks good. Um, and so he did an incredible job here with Joe Judge. Shout out to Ed. Uh, you know, would you want to sit down with Joe Judge for 30 minutes, BLG? Uh, sure. I could just hear him talk about how what a shame it is that uh you know the Eagles didn't try to go out to win and help the six win Giants make the playoffs. I could just you know I could just spend some time doing that. RJ, what was your favorite part of that interview with Ed? I mean, I really found Joe Judge to be humble, um, which is okay. I mean, what we need. And Ed's a humble guy, so like maybe that was Ed's writing that kind of came through and reflected it. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Uh, so I would say personable. It's very personable. Um, more than I expected. I think it's easy to think about Joe Judge as like a robot because he's from, you know, the Belichick tree and all the stuff that came out last year. Remember how big of a topic Joe Judge was like last year in training camp with all like the... Oh, remember when he like fielded the punt and like fell down? You remember this? Like everybody freaked out. Yeah. Um, All like the the Belichick kind of stuff that the Giants were doing all of a sudden that came out. And I think Ed, I was talking to Ed about that recently, about some of how the restrictions are still kind of strict. Or maybe it was stats. I don't remember who. Anyway, uh, yeah, so good interview. Definitely check it out. Um, the, the biggest thing that I've seen, though, you know, coming out of the Giants so far still is Saquon. 
And mm-hmm. we talked about it on last week's episode and like things to watch, but uh seems like the Giants are taking it slow, which I guess again has some sense to it. You don't need to rush them in theory, but I just also think that if you need to take it slow, it's not just because you're being like a hundred percent cautious, and it's because there is some kind of underlying concern here. So Saquon did start camp on the pup list, which isn't like cause for panic. Like I, you know, I'm not trying to play that game, but and and like every player, every injury is different. But I look at Dak Prescott, who I think you would agree. Uh, among all players who were injured last season, suffered one of the most gruesome injuries that we saw. Fair? Yeah. Okay. He's back. Not only back, he was back for minicamp. You know what I mean? Like, he's back, mm-hmm. he's moving, he's fully operational, like, everything's great. Blake Jarwin tore his ACL in week one last year, did not start camp on the pub list for the Cowboys. And again, mm-hmm. every player is different. But just, that's where yeah. my brain goes, like, to compare it to those things. And so Saquon starting on the pub list does not feel encouraging, okay? I have... Uh, I know everybody cares about my fantasy league, uh, my league of record. This is our 12th season. Um, we, we, it's a keeper league, and I don't know if I should keep Daryl Henderson or not. I'm really torn up about this, but that's a whole different mm-hmm. subject. Uh, but I have the number one overall pick, and Saquon's not even anywhere near contention for me. Like I, I would not want to touch this with a 10 foot pole. I hope he comes back because I, I want you know, I want the Giants to be good. I want the Cowboys to beat them when they're at full strength. I, I think Saquon's awesome. I think he's a great player. I want to see that, but. This this does not feel encouraging to me. Is that an overreaction or not in your mind? I think when there are things like this, I'm always of the belief that there is something to this. I'm usually the the belief that there's never nothing. Like a lot of people, I think like to say, "Oh, the media is overblowing it. It's nothing." Like people are saying this with Aaron Rodgers. It clearly was not nothing. Like he came back to the Packers because there were concessions made, or at least so much is being reported by ESPN. But I think Schefter had even said. Like Schefter said last night that like Rodgers was planning to skip out on camp prior to these concessions being made. So it's a different kind of thing. But I just think for the Giants to be, again, so cautious, overly cautious, even with this and Saquon to kind of just be kind of like weird and cagey about it when he's been talking. And like I, I see. So I saw Ed kind of write about maybe that, that's how just like uh, Joe Judge and like the Patriot way they kind of want players to be and not really give any information. And he kind of used the example, I think, of how. Daniel Jones was a little too he shared a little bit too much last year at one point late in the season when he was hurt so it could be that but again I just think it's it's this isn't like any kind of key player being hurt like this is the key player for the New York Giants being hurt like this the season hinges on Saquon Barkley at some level like I mean I'm not to say that they can't win I don't know maybe seven games and overachieve or whatever not they're going to be like winless but I just think for them to be in playoff consideration, they need Saquon. And if he's not there, then the season is lost. In that sense, because I agree with you. I think everybody agrees with you, right? Like it's it's Saquon or bust for the Giants offense, despite like, you know, the fact that they drafted a quarterback in the first round who's entering a con- like, you know, what what is an important year for him contractually, uh, the, despite signing Kenny Galladay, right? Like despite like all these other things that should make them a functional football team, but whatever. Um, so in that sense, is it not then the appropriate thing to put him on pup list? Like if he truly is the season, yeah. like you you take every measure possible to be cautious. And, and maybe that's what they're doing. Um, and he's being cagey with it. And that's fine. That's up to him. Like we talked about last week. But I just I don't know, man, like this. This would put a pit in my stomach if I was a Giants fan. Yeah, it's a kind of a file away thing right now. Like you don't have to worry about it right now. Week one of training camp. But, you know, we get a couple weeks in and there's still like no really update 
or he's still on it. No, then, then, then as we get closer to the season, like every day, then it you know, starts to be a little bit more concerning. Um, anything else going on with the Giants for you there, RJ? Nothing really. Um, yeah. And that's, I, I mean, like, is this my last question or topic on the Giants in general? Um, but I actually saw this uh, in Peter King's Football Morning in America um, as I uh, pull it open right now. This was, and Peter King was back on Monday, so it was nice to see. You know, th- th- we got like a massive Football Morning in America uh, this particular week because he was back. Uh, but um, do you know who has the worst record in the NFL since I believe 2017? I think I feel like I've made it obvious, but do you know? It's two teams. <laughs> Yeah, it is two teams since 2017. This is uh, two and, teams are tied for first. So we've got second, third, mm-hmm. four, uh, four, fifth place is the Cleveland Browns. They're 24, 39, and one. Uh, tied for fourth, the Denver Broncos and Detroit Lions. Although the Broncos are 23 and 41, where the Lions are 23, 40, and one. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, a little bit more embarrassing at 22 and 42. The Cincinnati Bengals, 19-44 and 1 since 2017, but at 18 and 46 since 2017. Mm. Which two teams, BLG? The New Jersey Jets and Giants. <laughs> so my question within that scope is are the Giants not like and I, I don't say this as like a Cowboys fan, Giants hater, whatever. Like I'm being hundred percent serious here. Are they not one of the most boring teams in the NFL? Like they're 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 boring. Yeah. Like they're they're not entertaining in any way. There's nothing about them. Like, like I, I hate the Eagles. I want to be clear about this, but they're entertaining as hell. You know what I mean? Like they're mm. they're fun to like watch the show of. And even Washington's getting there, but like New York is just so boring. Like they're not even vanilla ice cream. It's like it, they're the things that you have in your pantry that you bought four years ago because you said you'd eat and you never have and you never will. Like and when you move out, you'll just throw it away. That's who the Giants are. I really like to believe, I actually choose to believe that how bad the Giants have been for years now since winning their second Super Bowl really just is affirming in my belief that, you know, those Super Bowl runs, especially the second one, I think the first one was more legit, but especially the second one was just totally fraudulent. It was not the sign. And I said this at the time. I remember saying, like, the thing that frustrated me about that, like them winning the Super Bowl, not only doing it in fluky fashion, is like the Giants are not this organization that other teams are like trying to be like, you know what I mean? Like no one was trying to like hire the Giants coaches or anything or like their, right. their front office members. Like no one wanted to be the Giants because they weren't this model franchise. They just got lucky. They got very incredibly lucky. And, you know, no one can ever take that away in the form of a championship. But I am not insane. I knew the Giants <laughs> were frauds when they won a championship and all of their miserable existence since then proves that I was right. Um, I think people think, not saying our listeners, but I think some people think that the Giants are kind of akin to the Steelers, right? Like they're this NFL mm. blue blood and they kind of put them in the and, a lot, and there's the familial connection right there, like the Rooney Amira families um, mm. or family, however you want to put it. Um, so people like equate them like, you know, like they're, every team has a foil in the opposite conference, right? Like I, I don't know who I would say the, the Cowboys version of uh, the Chargers. That's the, the that's the Cowboys version of the AFC. How dare you? Uh, but but um i mean like the the people think that the giants are the the steelers but they're not the giants are like the Bengals or they're the jets that's probably the, the way better comparison they're <laughs> the jets that they just got lucky twice that's it uh the jets yeah the jets who got lucky so obviously even worse to be the jets poor jets uh 
I wanted to say a couple more things, uh, RJ, before we wrap up here. Just on Rodgers, I, I wrote an article for uh, Aaron Rodgers, that is. Wrote, uh, in case you didn't know who, who I meant. Uh, I wrote this for Bleeding Green Nation. There's actually some NFC East angles to the Aaron Rodgers news in that uh, the NFC East teams will not have to face Aaron Rodgers now. As all a Denver of them, Bronco, right. Because, you know, there was a lot of speculation he could have been with the Broncos. Well, he, will, the case. he will face Washington this year, at least. Well, I was going to get to that next. Oh. Still my thunder. But, yeah, that's the thing, though. Instead of every team having to play them, just Washington has to play them now. And that's a big deal because, I mean, if they get Jordan Love instead of Rodgers, like, that would have been a really big break for them. Uh, especially like having the you know like everyone's like oh first place schedule you know the tougher and yeah it is but not, not not if one of the opponents loses Aaron Rodgers so that's something to consider also just like the NFC playoff picture obviously I mean this is obvious but like it's not getting any easier like the Packers are still going to be in contention presumably for the number one seed or at the very least even if they're dysfunctional like we think they might be to some extent and this year might not be perfect I mean they're at least going to make the playoffs like we can we can say that I think pretty confidently uh so yeah those are just some things I, I brought up. Again, you can look more at the article uh, on bleedinggreennation.com for some other ones, including how the Eagles might have more competition now for Deshaun Watson because the Broncos not getting Aaron Rodgers could very much put the Broncos in the mix to get him. So, uh, yeah, just some things to consider. And I don't think we're going to have to worry, RJ, about Aaron Rodgers picking the Giants or Washington next year when presumably he will get his chance to pick a team that he wants to go to. I, I don't think we have to worry about that. And I don't think you have to worry about him coming to the Eagles. I I, I don't foresee that happening. But uh, it's a non-zero chance if he gets to pick any team he wants. Right. So I will say I'll, I'll add to this. And I, I have not read the article myself, so maybe this is in there. But we agree right now, right? Like, and there's a lot that will happen between now and March of 2022, but the most logical destination for him is Denver, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's important context. And I realize that now we live in this uh, 17th game world uh, where that derivation will happen more frequently than, than it used to. But mm-hmm. the fact that the NFC East plays the AFC West this year, if you do believe that Aaron Rodgers has a lot left in the tank, that's, that like this is the best possible scenario for Dallas, New York, and Philadelphia fans in that Washington right. will play him this year. Uh, and I think that that helps the Cowboys more than anybody, as much as you hate to admit it. Um, and the fact that, like, again, one of these teams will have to play him in the year that the NFC East plays the AFC West in the, the yeah. off uh, 17th game. But the fact that it, it's the longest possible period of time that you could go without facing Aaron Rodgers, somebody who's very good and conceivably will be very good in Denver. Um, so I think that that's a nice kind of, you know, bonus reaction to the fact that he returned to the Packers for the season, especially assuming I mean, he ends up with Denver next year. Right. And which is a big assumption, you know, we don't know, but uh, that'll be the next step though, of Aaron Rodgers owning the Cowboys is the Cowboys somehow getting to a Super Bowl by some miracle. And then Aaron Rodgers is beating them, ripping the hearts out of Cowboys fans. So I can't wait to see that one. Well, you know, BLG, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Washington football team have all beaten the Denver Broncos in a Super Bowl. The Philadelphia Eagles mm. have not. So just put that out there. <laughs> also, I've never <laughs> lost to them, though. I fairness. mean, that's, <laughs> that is fair. Um, okay. Uh, oh, last thing, because uh, this happened just now. Malik Hooker officially a member of the Dallas Cowboys, which wow. se- seemed obvious. Huge. Um, and the Cowboys were at 90 players. For everybody wondering, uh, we'll keep, have you covered on this at Blogging the Boys and all of our social channels. Uh, the Cowboys did place Mitch Hyatt on injured reserve, who has a knee injury. Uh, Mitch Hyatt was part of the five players who started on the pup list. So Mitch Hyatt now on injured reserve. Uh, Malik Hooker now on the Dallas Cowboys. All is good. All is well. Watch out. Best safety in the NFL. I don't even know what to say. I'm and that's where we, speechless. That, and that's where we end. Once again, I speak for BLG. Thank you.